So this is the first episode of the new year, and uh, yeah, evidently Spider-Man's dead. So I'm thinking, what song would be perfect to start the show off? Well, when in doubt, go with Zeppelin. Your head is humming and it won't go in case you don't know. This is episode 208 for January 2013. The Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have today's comics at yesterday's prices. An example in this episode is on the Age of Ultron number one. This is the latest Marvel Universe crossover written by Brian Michael Bendis, and Spidey is teaming up with the rest of the Avengers to take down Ultron. Now, the cover price, $3.99. Mail order has it for just 99 cents, which is 75% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Happy New Year, Crawl Spacers. Let's introduce who we've got on the panel for this one. We've got JR from Spidey Kicks Butt, as referenced on CBR by the wrong website name. <laughs> yeah, well, that's okay, but, uh, ouch! Ow! 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 What happened? Well, ouch! I dropped I dropped my rec- recrudescence, and it broke my verisimitude. Oh, my pride. Oh, uh, what are you hurts. talking about? Oh, 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 you're talking about... Donovan's review. <laughs> I was about to say, virilismitudes are painful when you break them. Jeez. Hey, you know, ever since Stella left the show, I had to get somebody with a bigger vocabulary than duckies, you know? <laughs> oh, dear. Right in the ambition. <laughs> JR, I want to know, in the, in the Fettinger household, any spider gifts for the boy or the girl or you or anything for Christmas? Uh, not, for, not for me. Um, we... Uh, my wife and I are about the point where we just try to spend the money on the kids. But Spencer got a raft of Xbox games, and one of them was the uh, movie, Amazing Spider-Man uh, movie Xbox. Yeah. Uh, I forget how quickly he beat that thing. But uh, okay. he got he got a bunch of other games and Microsoft Xbox points. And, uh, I mean, honest to God, I, I mean, he, we have to force <laughs> him to come down and eat and force him to go to the bathroom and things like that because he won't come out of his room, so... Last we talked about uh, his video game habit, he was a Wii person. Now he's an Xbox. Now he is an Xbox person. Yes, indeed. Another convert to the Gates Empire. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we've got Donovan, a former reviewer of Amazing Spider-Man, now current reviewer of Ultimate Spider-Man, right? Yeah, which is a few days late, admittedly, but uh, don't worry, it's coming out by by the time this episode (laughs) will be out, I guarantee it. Morgan, where's my review? (laughs) (laughs) Any spider gifts for you for Christmas? Well, I actually did get Amazing Spider-Man, uh, the Blu-ray, on for Christmas. Uh, basically, my only gift. And I've actually not watched it yet because I've seen it three times already. But I do have a uh, lovely uh, Emma Stone to look at on the back cover, at least. So there's that. So uh, besides that, no, it's, it's, uh that was all the Spidey stuff. I mean, I guess I got 700 for the month, but uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes, shall we? So Donovan got Emma Stone for Christmas. What did you get, Zach? <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, it, it can't be an episode without me forgetting to hit the mute button. It's all uh, well, I, 
First, you got a brand new microphone, I understand. Yes, I got a brand new microphone, a and uh, one of my recommendations, which I'll get to in a little while, but uh, nothing really spider related, uh, although it's sort of related with one of my recommendations. So uh, it's good to be here, uh, and I just want to give a shout out to uh, to Mister uh, Peter David. Uh, I, I'm staring at uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man 27, which was the issue that. Uh, he wrote that uh, was the idea that he got from this show. So uh, we've been thinking about him for the last few days, and uh, my best thoughts and wishes with his family. I uh, I was going to hit this a little later, but we can talk about Peter David now. The uh, if you'd like to help him out, as if you don't know or you're not in the, in the call of the front page, Peter David over Christmas had a stroke, and of all places, he was in Disney World. And and uh, is is it Disney World in Florida? Yeah, yeah, it's in Florida. Disney World in Florida. And he was with his family, and he's uh, recovering from the stroke right now, and his wife is putting uh, posts on his website of how you can help him out. Because, you know, medical expenses are not cheap, and he has health insurance, but even when you have to do the copay, uh, it's that's still very costly. Anyway, she, she gave some links, and, and Kevin was nice enough to put some links on our front page about how you can help Peter by – Reading his stuff. How how hard of a donation can that be? You you buy some of his books that he's written through Crazy Eight Press, and etc. And uh, you can and it's all good material, so you you can't yeah. not read it now. I know he, he's one of my all time favorite writers, and, and we wish him the best and him and his family, etc. Absolutely. So all right, who else we got on the panel? We got Chris. What's going on, Chris? Recovering from a cold, I understand. He's on his way. I swear. <laughs> He's running. He's running. I might have to edit in this episode. Don't make me edit. <laughs> Maybe he's bubble, having bubble. problems with his recrudescence. Yeah. <laughs> I hear they, they ban those recrudescence. Uh, hey, so Brad. Um, oh, hey, there my voice. Yeah. I... Oh, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm losing Chris. I'm losing Chris. I've had a bit of a Well, I just Dr. lost Octopus. <laughs> Dr. Octopus took his brain. No doubt. He revealed his master plan. And his microphone. The microphone was the most important thing that Doc Ock. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we... All right, we got Bertone. Welcome, sir. Yeah, you, I, guess, I guess I should have something witty, but I'm, I'm sitting here in uh, Denny's, and um, I've, I've, I ordered everyone to clear out as I held up you know, the plastic fork to their necks, so uh, it should be a quiet episode. Sounds like your Christmas gift was Wi-Fi at the house, right? Oh, and what a glorious Christmas gift it was. <laughs> <laughs> any, any spider-related gifts that you got on um, Christmas? In a roundabout way, sort of. Um, uh, which I'll get to in the recommendations. I used a bunch of my gift cards together to get something um, really, really big, which has uh, helped with my Spider-Man hobby. Okay. You tell it in the recommendations, huh? Mm-hmm. Several hours from now. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and several weeks from now, depending on you know what order these episodes go up. Oh, that's funny. A uh, little Christmas. What I got, I got a few things for Christmas. Uh, my grandma... Got me a Spider-Man cookie jar of all things. Super <laughs> cool. Exactly. You can eat cookies and look at Spider-Man's face. It's really that's what you've always wanted. I know. Nom nom nom, Spider-Man. I'm eating your cookies. That sounds bad. The duck And also, she they got me a Spider-Man Green Goblin salt and sh- pepper shaker. The Goblin's pepper Spider-Man salt. I think. How many Spider-Man oh, food products are there? I gotta get one of those. That's really cool. Um. 
And you, you know how grandparents are. They're, they get catalogs. They've been on mailing lists for 50 years, and they get all sorts of catalogs. And my grandma uh, found this in a catalog. I've never even – I didn't even know they had Spider-Man cookie jars and salt and pepper shakers. So, uh, JR, you might want to look into that. That might be kind of cool. And we have Chris, our newest reviewer of Superior Spider-Man. Welcome to the club of the – welcome back. You were originally an Amazing Spider-Man reviewer a long time ago. Yeah, I mean, last time there was a relaunch with Dan Slott writing, and it just got so bad that I couldn't review it anymore. But you know what? Um, <laughs> it, uh, here Wait I am again. Exact same, <laughs> exact same place as before. Chris is back, back again. All right. Pre-trip. Uh, <laughs> any any Christmas any Christmas presents Spider Man related for you, Chris? Um, not so much Spider Man related, but uh, comic related. My girlfriend's father got me a one hundred dollar gift certificate to Mile High Comics um, that could be used at any of their stores or on so their you website. Could buy like two comics. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, no. Here's the thing. I went into their uh, the near where I live, and they were having a end-of-the-year sale where every trade was 50% off. So I had 100 bucks, and everything's 50% off. So I was able to get like 12 trades for $100. And uh, I got... Speaking of uh, Peter David, I, I got about three X-Factor trades. So hopefully Good. some... I know, you know, buying the... the the Marvel trades from a retailer might it might be a, a longer path towards him actually seeing a reward for that compared to buying his books off of the um, Crazy Eight website that his family said was the the best way to get money to him and I I intend to do that too actually because I I really love Peter David's writing and the thought of him you know health problems getting in the way of him doing that is just devastating to me actually because he's so good but. Uh, you know, for now, I have a couple X Factor trades to to read and enjoy his great writing. X Factor is really solidly good. I think how many I don't know how many years he's been on that book. My God, it's like over a hundred issues. Yeah, there are, there are so. some writers who are who are good in the '80s and who are are good today. And Peter yeah. David's one of the few I can think of who are great, like top of the game in both. Eras. Exactly. So, I agree. All right. Uh, anything interesting happened since last recording? Did you and read Spider-Man the latest book? issue of Amazing Spider-Man? Oh, yeah, 700, dude. That came out, right? Ooh. I haven't heard anything about that online. Not on that all. Black Hat story, it's, like, very controversial. It was on oh, CNN, NPR, other places where Slot bribed him to talk about it. <laughs> JK, just kidding. Yeah, uh, we're we're going to devote this whole first episode of the month to 700. We're going out of the order of usually reviewing each issue leading up to this, but you know what? This is what everybody's talking about. This is what everyone wants to hear about, and hopefully they want to hear our opinions. I suspect they might. So uh, there's various talking points that we're going to hit up about 700, but I thought it'd be interesting first to know where people stand on it, what people's opinions are. So I thought right off the top, let's give grades before we mention anything else. So let me go around the horn and get everyone's grade. So JR, Amazing 700, what would you give it? Uh, I was going to give it a B. A B? Yes. Donovan? <laughs> I saw your review. I know what you're giving it. <laughs> we'll get into it later. I know we are. But uh, t- as for a, a little bit of a preview, I'll give it a D. A D? Oh, I thought you, well, you gave it an F on the front page, didn't you? Yeah, two that out of five. 
Okay, well, I guess there you go. A D, we got a B, a D, and a Zach. Zach, what do we got? <laughs> What's your grade, sir? A B, a D, and a Zach. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. I give me. I was going to give it a C plus. C plus. All right, Chris, your grade? Uh C. A C. And Josh. I've thought about this. I've tried because it's really hard to divorce the issue from the like hype and everything around it and all the stuff. It's hard to. Wow, what was that? Sorry. That was Donovan being upset. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So it's – I'm kind of vacillating between a B- minus and a C plus. And okay. if there's some sort of a magical letter between a C plus and a B-, minus, that's where it would be. A D. So okay. let, let's call it a, C, a CB or something. I don't know. A CB. All right. Well, this BD is going to give it an A. I, I, I like the hell of it. I, I, last night I read it. And we're recording this on what is today's date? The fifth. Uh, the fifth of January. I read it last night, and uh, I I did something I haven't done in a long time, which more in the decade. I wrote a review on the front page of the Crawl Space, and I gave it an A. Oh. I love the hell. Uh, let's talk I'm really about. I'm surprised that it took you that long to read the issue. Well, I well I just got the box yesterday. Oh, my fault. Sorry. And, and they they bundle them all together, uh, etc. For a month's time, so I just got the. I've already read Superior Spider-Man number 1 through 12. It's already been leaked, man. Get with it. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I thought we'd do pros and cons. So let's do pros first. Who's got some pros for the book? Who wants to hop first? I'll do it. All right, hit it. Because that's why I have the least one. What do you like? Um, Pros? Uh, (laughs) This actually made me laugh. and I know we're going to get into a whole other topic, but like where... Mary Jane, like, just says, face the tiger, you just hit the jackpot, and rips Peter Parker's shirt open. That image made me laugh, but that's all I'll say about that. Um, And I also really do enjoy, at the end, Humberto Ramos' art, when he has, like, like Spider-Man in Dr. Octopus's face, uh, going through all the issues. Like, I like the touch of having the Doc Ock goggles as he's Spider-Man. Like, like before he has regular glasses, but then when he's Spider-Man, he has the Doc Ock goggles. I actually thought that was a really clever... uh, artistic design, and I thought the art was great, and that's it for me. Okay. <laughs> you had the lowest grade of the bunch with the D. I, I knew it, uh, you know what, I knew it was going to be outnumbered on this. I really did. <laughs> <laughs> and and Kev, Kevin's not on the show, but uh, he texted me he would give it a B. Damn it. So <laughs> um, I guess we got almost a whole panel. JR, any pros? What What do you like about it? Uh, well, I, I had a number of pros. I mean, uh, I, I in general, I actually like the concept. Uh, I actually like the idea. I mean, I, I think if you're going to pull a Freaky Friday with Spider-Man and one of his villains, that Doctor Octopus is the perfect one to do do it with. Uh, but I, and I like how the fact that even though it's uh, it's uh, Doctor Octopus is trying to behave. He still talks like Dr. Octopus. You know, he addresses Mary Jane as woman. You know, not now, woman. And uh, Woman. You ever try that with your wife? You ever call her woman? <laughs> well, that would be <laughs> one of the nicer words I used. Uh, <laughs> they don't like it when you call them woman. Well, well, that's preferable to about, no, half a dozen other names I've called her. Um but, uh, you know, I just like the way that Doc Ock's arrogance uh, continues to come through. Um, you know, the, I'll hear you, you know, you're the best friend with the trite, uh, the trite pep talk and 
So that that was my that was my primary pro, and and I, I just like the way that Peter and Doc Ock kept matching wits against each other, and and uh, you know ultimately Ock getting the better hand. So uh, those are my pros in general. Wasn't that a great line? I mean, isn't that what all of us Mary Jane fans have been saying she's been doing as the plucky best friend with the one motivational speech? Like someone read my review a few months ago. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's well, I mean that's what she is. I mean, he ignores her, and and uh, how many issues has she? Five forty-five is the last time that they were a couple. We're going to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you what do you what do you think, Don? Is I mean, well, okay, uh, I don't I don't want to get too much into. Well, I guess I have to, <laughs> but like my thing is that yeah, like we're still pros, but we can venture off a little bit. Well, my I like I initially really liked the Mary Jane scenes in this. But mm-hmm. while Slot does correctly address, you know, like, like, what's with you? All you do is give these really pat speeches about, you know, how great I am, and you're the plucky best friend. Are you, is there anything more to you? Like, like, can you, you know, is that all you're going to do? And then she, like, says, oh, don't you see? I love you. It's like, I like the fact that, she, it, that sort of her role being just that was confronting the issue. But I feel that, like, it still does a disservice to the character by just having her just, just for one, for one thing, uh, he, like Jr. said, he's talking to her in a way that Peter Parker really wouldn't. And I feel that though, even though Mary, I like seeing Mary Jane have her those feelings towards Peter Parker, like you know, because I really like those two together. I feel as though just having that up there really kind of puts her in a two-dimensional role, and I don't think it does a service to her character by saying, basically saying, there's not much to her besides you know just being this positive influence. And I, I know I'm not articulating this very very right, but like it just it is, I, I felt it kind of made her look hollow, essentially. Well, here, here's the thing, and, and this is kind of funny to do. I wish we had Stella on the line about this, because this is going to be a bunch of men talking about women. <laughs> but from my experience, don't women sometimes like the bad guy? That's I don't think that is. I mean, don't they? I mean, But she knows I, Peter Parker, and Peter Parker, that doesn't, that doesn't really suit him. Even if he's acting like a bad guy, it should still be reminiscent of what she knows as Peter Parker, I think. I mean, but it, some, to some women, I guess... The party girl, which is Mary Jane, is attracted to the bad boy a little bit. Okay, can I can I say something about this? Yeah, hit it, Chris. Uh, I'm just because uh, I hated these Mary Jane scenes. You hated I, the Mary Jane. I liked I thought the Mary they Jane were scenes. awful. Like, oh, wow. okay, so Doc. I mean, it's it's correct characterization of Doc Ock. I'll give it that because he is a jerk, right? He's a bad guy. Right. But the way it makes Mary Jane look is terrible because this guy is treating her like crap through this entire issue. He, you know, he's saying, you know, woman. And when you're dismissing somebody and calling them woman, that's using their gender as a way to say that what they have to say isn't important. And that's why it's, it's bad that he said that. And he, you know, he insults her by saying, you're just the plucky best friend with the motivational speech. What are you even doing here? And her response isn't like, you're, you're being a dick to me. It's, uh, I, I love you. Exactly. You know, and then, and then they kiss. And it's like she's getting turned on by him treating her like shit. And I, I find that to be sort of a, almost a sexist portrayal of a, of a woman. I, and I know you can say women like the bad guy and they like to be treated like crap. But, uh, you know, that's a stereotype that I guess shouldn't – I disagree with. And you, don't, you don't think it happens? I mean, for some people, right? But is this how Mary Jane is? Is she that sort of 
of a, a weak character who sort of this sort of verbal abuse is actually making her love him more in a way. It well, seems. I mean, it, it hasn't been with the Peter Parker persona since 545 that she's actually come out and said something like this. It took something different in his personality to invoke these emotions. Being, no, I don't being think a jackass? Uh, yeah. Like, I, I don't think that's explicit, though. That, that's that, then. That's how Mary Jane's being portrayed. You, in order to get a positive response out of her, you have to sort of insult you her. Have to do, that, you, well, you have to do something different from the past. No, Brad. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think that that's what they were trying to say, though. I think it's because she's been in love with him, and it undercut throughout the big time run, like when they were skating with Carly, and she's lit, and she was getting a little jealous, and then during hashtag where she said I love you, but he didn't hear it. It's not as if Peter acting like a jerk is making her say it. I think it's the extreme situation, like you know, Doctor Octopus is out there somewhere as far as she knows, and. She knows that Peter is like stress. I don't think that it's about Peter being a jerk as much as, in, from her perspective, Peter is. Uh, he's stressed out. He's worried about his friends and family. And I think she's saying this more of like you know to shock him and bring him back to earth because she sees how out of character he's being and how stressed out he is. That was one I- of my favorite scenes because it, it made me laugh because it reminded me of everything that Don's been saying for like the last year. Well, I understand why they're doing it. I mean, from a writer's perspective, I understand why they're doing it, because it's tugging at our heartstrings, because everyone loves Mary Jane. So it's only natural that she would be attracted to this character, to to tug on our strings. I I mean, I get it. I guess we're just trying to justify why it's happening. I think, like Chris said... Uh, the I can see her overlooking him being a jerk because of the stress of the situation because, you know, historically Peter Parker can be a jerk. He has treated people very poorly. But mm-hmm. if he continues to talk the way that he does, mm-hmm. you know, like, explain. Uh, and, th- and, and, and Mary Jane said, explain? Peter, what are you doing, talking about? If 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 that continues and she doesn't figure it out, that that's going to be pretty... Stupid and insulting, and and that they, would be derogatory to the character because as as well as she knows him, she knows how he talks. You know, I mean, she's probably got his style. I mean, she should know that something is wrong if he's addressing her uh, in a certain way, using a certain term. I mean, even if he's got Peter's memories, that still won't. You know, Octopus still won't talk like Peter Parker. So, and I think that would insult me more as a fan of Mary Jane of her being that dumb. Right, right. That's what I'm worried about. It's not so much she's putting up with him being a jerk, but if he continues to talk this way and she doesn't figure it out pretty darn quickly, that that's going to be the insult. That's going to be I a problem. The point Don and yeah. Chris forget who else. It offends you that you think it's uh insulting her character yeah. by falling in love with the guy that she loves as he treats her bad. And I think that happens in a lot of relationships. Yeah, I actually found the word. Go ahead, Chris. uh, It's not that she's just putting up with him being a jerk, though. It's that that is actively seeming to bring out her affections in her. And and maybe that's how some women are. You know, I'm I'm not qualified to be a psychologist here, but... But to, for that character, I, I like her being a little bit more strong-willed than that. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out of my ass, but that's, well, this is that's just sort a, of this my is And none of us claim to understand women, even if we had women on the panel. I don't think we'd understand them. <laughs> but uh, what were you going to say, Zach? 
are we? We're not. We're still on. Are we still doing pros, or are we just kind of well, just Greg, jumping around? If, if, if you're, you're still topic. on pros, but we ventured off on Mary Jane Woman talk. Because <laughs> I mean, that's one of my that's one of my cons. So I didn't want to get into it okay. really, but but uh, I'll, I'll uh, to dovetail. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll talk about Mary Jane. I didn't like the way she was portrayed in that particular scene. Um, I thought that that I get that she was. I, I, the mindset is is that she thinks her world's going to end. You know, with with this whole Doctor Octopus thing, he you know she thinks he's a legitimate threat. He has nothing to lose. Going back to the first scene in the book, but uh, the fact that she doesn't acknowledge his speech patterns during that scene is probably what bothers me the most. Didn't you guys like? I mean, I thought it was cute where Doc Ock was like, "Hey, say it for me one more time, baby. Come on." <laughs> That's that, funny until I, well, the implications yeah. came up. Yeah, I just thought that was so. That was like, oh yeah. Because <laughs> well, if you put Spider Man's body, wouldn't you say? You know what I like. You know what I like. Just face it, Tiger. Just for me one more time. Says, Come on. Uh, you know, like like the master planner wins again. <laughs> the master planner got it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I did laugh. I mean, at seriously, if you were in Spider Man's brain. You'd ask Mary Jane to say that to you, wouldn't you? Let's not get into it later. Well, it's we have more Star Wars Episode Two, you know, bad romance because this whole they're sitting in the apartment. She's like, "Is this a date?" He says, "Yes." Okay, straight to sex. No romantic kiss. No nothing. It's just <laughs> well, it's, as soon as it's like, "Hey, this is a date." Yeah. Okay, cool. Let me take your shirt off. We don't need this anymore. <laughs> it's been a while. We'll, we'll get into the 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 date. Slash rape debate in a bit, but um, oh Jesus! And, and any more pros? I, the other one I had was um, the the never give up Spider Man. I, I I said this in my review. It, it it is an homage, I think, to Amazing Spider Man thirty three, where he's under the heavy machinery, and when he's in heaven with all of his various people he's lost, etc. And Uncle Ben's pep talk of get up, Peter, get up, come on, get up. I I love that. That was one of my favorite things of the whole issue. Um, I, I have more pros. If I, I mean, I have a lot of pros. Actually. Hit it. Yeah, I thought for about ninety percent of this issue, it was just an excellent, gripping read. I just loved the Doc Ock, um, all of his plans and counters to what Spider-Man was doing. You know, they they kept one upping each other. Uh, Doc Ock is like, oh, I've. Um, hit the self-destruct device in my lair, and Spider-Man's like, you mean this self-destruct device? They're, they're just thinking one step ahead of each other, and the Doc, Oc, Doc Ock thinking ahead of Spider-Man was great. He got the Avengers in a different location. It was just, it really felt like this was an epic, climactic story when Doc Ock was gathering Spider-Man's friends and family members all in one place. You really felt like, this is, you know, holy crap, this is you know, the end game of this great conflict. I really felt like that. And that uh, it just, I don't know, I, I was at the really absorbed into this story up until a little bit later. And when we get to cons, I'll say what my, my major problem with this story was. But mm-hmm. one more thing I liked was the scene where uh, Doc Ock as Peter was in the airport and he was watching J. Jonah Jameson on the TV and J. Jonah Jameson was saying Doc Ock was always a loser at that oh, yeah. point, at that point, Doc Ock as Peter could have gotten on a plane and just ran out the clock and let Peter die. But, you know, I think his ego was getting to him. He has to not just sort of win like that. He has to beat Peter Parker, and that's what made him stay, and that's what ends up sort of causing 
the the chain of events that leads to him becoming Spider-Man. That and I thought that was a great tipping point. Another uh, pro, at least for me, I, I like the heaven scene. And if you guys could open your books real quick, I want to go over them with you. Yes, teacher. And so, so the via- <laughs> I'm Doctor Douglas right now. Uh, there, there's ooh, a lot ooh, Mr. of Mister Carter. Mister Carter, up your nose with a rubber hose. Oh, <laughs> that was actually more Rand- Andrew Dice than John Travolta. Um, I want to name the people in this scene, this two-page spread that Ramos did beautifully, of who these people are. Uh, there's Tommy. Aaron. Help me for Tony. Is this Tim- Timothy Harrison? Uh, it depends yeah. on which edition you're looking at. If you're looking at the preview, he's Timothy Hammond. If you're looking, okay. if you're looking at the okay. actual issue, which thank goodness they change in time, that Timothy Harrison. But that's easy to identify because Spider-Man right. says his name. Okay, he's he's the kid from the kid who collects Spider-Man right. uh, on the yeah. bike. Who no are, no who love is for Tyena though. Is is it his parents <laughs> behind Tim Harrison in the book? Is it who is the, the, that couple by the tree over Tim Harrison's? Let's pretend it's uh, Let me open up the actual page. Okay. Okay, I've got I... the page open. Uh, okay, help, help me, Zach. Who, who is the couple I... behind Tim Harrison? Is that Bridget and Mary Parker? Well, I don't know. They don't have That's... the same haircut that they that they have in the okay. when we see them again. But I assume that that was them. And then next to them, behind Gwen, that's uh, Billy and Martha Connors. Oh, I didn't even see that. They're barely in the fold. And uh, Lance Bannon in the middle. That's who I assume that was. We've got Gene DeWolf, Gwen Stacy, Tim and Martha... Or no, uh... Billy and Martha. Is it Tim? Billy. Billy and Martha Connors. Lance Bannon. Ned Leeds. Is that... Right. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Who's the guy with the hat? Is that... uh... That is Max and his wife. That's Max. Max, the uh, the agent. He died. Yeah, he died. When? Uh, I think she he died. Why did anybody um, call me? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Max, who's Max? Max, Max was the agent. Uh, the guy who got him. Um, he, he was Spider-Man's agent in Amazing Fantasy 15, and he shows up again in the first issue. And then there's a 30th anniversary special where, like, I I suspected that was the guy from the Enforcers. What was his name? Uh, yeah, but, oh, Montana, but the way they draw, they draw. Fancy his Dan. Wife. I thought that was Fancy Dan when I read it. But the way the way his wife was was portrayed in that, I mean, she was slightly overweight, so that's why I thought it was her. Well, where are you seeing a wife? The guy holding the guy's hat. The pink woman, the woman in the pink shirt. And holding his hand. Oh, the people walking away. Okay. Yes. Okay, I thought you were talking about the guy in the shadows right behind uh, George Stacy. Oh, I, I want to know who that is, too. Who's the guy in the shadows? The guy in the shadows who died. But I'm just... <laughs> Could be mine. Is that, the, is that the character that they never figured out who was in the shadows? What? What? I really don't I know. Don't... I have no idea. Nobody knows. I think that's Nick Katzenberg next to Marla Madison and uh, yeah. Nathan Lebinsky. Yeah. And who's the guy with the pipe? Is that George Stacy? That's, that's Bing George Crosby. Stacey. That's Bing Crosby. <laughs> <laughs> Why I couldn't save him? He and Nathan Lebinsky are going special <laughs> together. Wasn't didn't Nathan have an, a friend that smoked a pipe in the nursing home? His mirror. Yeah. Well, they had. There was a whole nursing home of people at like. Oh, but he, there was always somebody pushing him around the chair, I thought. Anyway. Uh, who's the dude with the brown pants and the tie next to... Ned Leeds is right. Is that Ned Leeds? <laughs> Could be. Ned Leeds is like, has no like distinguishing features. Okay, that. You know what really annoys me about this whole thing? No Ben Riley. 
Oh, oh, that's true. Oh, that does suck. Well, clones don't have souls, as everyone knows. Well, he melted. Uh, yeah, he <laughs> anyway, like a stepped in him. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, he's that he's that puddle of mush under Peter's foot. Uh, <laughs> that's so rude. Sorry, Zach. <laughs> You're okay. It's fine. Um. Anyway, I'm glad we went over that. Who was in that panel? Because I was. Wondering. I love Gene DeWolf and Gwen Stacy like giggling, like like they're in like a school lunchroom or something. Yeah, they're having heaven gossip. Before we move on to cons around the horn, any more pros? Uh, I do. Let me okay. Grab my notes. Um, I thought the artwork throughout the book was very very strong, and likely my favorite issue from Ramos's tenure on Spider-Man. Um, the backups. We really haven't talked about the backups that much. Um. <laughs> I know. Donovan's like, I hate the backups. The hell with the back. I love the JMD Mateus backup. I like that a lot. Uh, you know, I didn't like it until I read it a couple of time, a couple more times, and then I began to like it. I loved the fact that uh, Giuseppe, uh, who is going to be the artist for Superior, was being inked by Salvi Simon. I thought that was some of his best artwork. Uh, oh, I didn't notice that. On that JMD Mateus yes. story, Sal inked it? Sal inked it. Oh, good. Nice. So Sal got to be a part of that. And, and then, his, of course, his uh, granddaughter, Stephanie, did the Black Cat story, which which I thought was cute and fun. And it was kind of a, a – it was very abrupt from the rest of the book, whereas the Mateus story kind of fit with the rest of the book. The Black Cat story kind of felt like a one that he had been sitting on for a while, he being Whacker. Yeah, I didn't care for the Black Cat at all. However, it's it's nice little it, – it, it reminded – the Black Cat reminded me of like a story I'd see in like a Spider-Man Golden book. The one with you know? the children. Exactly. Like um, like a there's a monster at the end of the book, Golden Book. You know, like Grover. <laughs> Those kind of books. Anyway, I just thought it was out of place, and it was. It, I mean, it was like four pages, four or five pages, right? It was fine. It was, I, I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I didn't have any negative feelings towards. In fact, I did like the JMD backup myself. Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, any more, Zach or Bertoni's going to go after you? Yeah, that, that's that's it on mine. Okay, Bertone, you had a couple more pros before we move on? Yeah, Chris stole one of my big ones. Darn him and his... I, I, Chris, I hope he catches the cold right, and gets internet you know? problems. You know, that <laughs> that would serve him right. Uh, but the Doc Ock scene at the airport, and uh, it's going to be hard figuring out what to call these people. Uh, one guy who I interviewed at the comic book shop that day, he called him Peter Puss, like a combination between Peter and Octopus. So when Peter, <laughs> when Peter Puss is at the airport and he see the panel where he's looking at Jameson on the TV, that panel where you see the expression on his face, you know, where, he, where he's calling him a coward, that's great. Yeah. And then when the woman's like, are you born in the plane? He says, I'm thinking. And we've given Slot a lot of grief for not being subtle enough or for being over the top. That scene was played exactly right. Yep. And Ramos, I've never been a big Ramos fan, but you know what? He he nailed it in that scene with Peter. I, I give him credit for that. And another pro is when – one thing that's been bugging me is like, you know, okay, just tell people, just tell people, Peter. When Carly comes in, I'm reading the book and I'm thinking, okay, great, tell her what's going on. And he does that. And it's, you know, and he does every – he says everything that he should say. Now, she doesn't yeah. believe him, but, you know, he did everything that he should have done in that situation. It would have really frustrated me if he would have, like, said something in my head. No, I can't tell Carly. I'm way too uh, embarrassed about it. I think I think <laughs> in the past that would have been the example that he would have done. Uh, that that leads into a point I want to hit up, the out of this. Uh, I think Carly knows. I mean, he told her. And the trapster knows, 
right? Uh, he Trapster doesn't know that it's not Auk, though. Well, the Trapster knows that there's a brain switch something going on. Well, the, the Trapster, trapster was... What yeah. Well, I was about to say, the Trapster, yeah, he knows it, but he thought that Auk was trying to switch brains with him. So he doesn't have a clue that it's not Auk in there already, so... It doesn't go on. And Carly has been told that she doesn't believe him, but if she spends any amount of time with him after this, then she's an idiot if she doesn't figure it out. That's a given. she was an idiot, she didn't figure out that. (laughs) But could Carly Cooper be the one that solves the case (laughs) and gets him back together? Wasn't that an issue for uh, Superior? Like, like, does Carly Cooper know? Carly Cooper know? I think I saw that preview, actually. All right, let's move on to cons. What did you guys not like about the issue? <laughs> Donovan will go first on this one since he had the most problems with it. Well, okay. Um, it's not so much that I had the most problems with it. Cause I, up, we had the most great of the group so far. Yeah, because there has to be somebody to, to do so. Um, <laughs> like, it wasn't so much like the issue itself. Because honestly, to me, the, what really matters is like the last few pages, which should matter. My basic problem – I have two problems with this. One is sort of existential towards <laughs> – comic industry but otherwise if we're going on i'm gonna try to really go slow and really articulate this well otherwise this will be a complete waste of time if if we're going to pretend that this is the final uh adventure of peter parker and i and i stress the word pretend you know this is this is asm 700 this is the last issue the title was about spider-man you know who was peter parker everyone be like this is this is the way for him to go out not even so much as the way it's going to go out but for him to transition to for the story to continue with Dr. Octopus. I feel the real big flaw of the issue is that, like, there was no development to transition towards Dr. Octopus. There, in my opinion, if we're going to believe that Dr. Octopus is going to be a hero now, that should have been developed throughout the issue, let alone the three parts of the, of the storyline. If you think about it, it was just the first part was just, you know, a bit, a bit in switch to lead up to the twist at the end. The second part was basically pointless. It just shows that Peter Parker had the villains escape. And then this was a big chase scene until the last like few pages, and this is this story was fifty pages. Three pages are devoted to Doctor Octopus changing his mind from supervillain to superhero, and I don't think that cuts it. I don't think that like, and I, and I know what you're going to say, Brett, <laughs> but, but <laughs> I don't. I'll let you finish. Well, I don't, and we can we can get into it absolutely, but I, I don't <laughs> think that you know Peter Parker, Doctor Octopus goes from I'll kill you to make it stop. How can I go on? Uh, one, you know, he's he's in the body now. He can do whatever he cares to. But and I know that it's, it's evoking a lot of emotion to to show how full of will and strength and iron, you know, determination Spider Man is. But I think that it, it should really earn the ending to have Doctor Octopus become a superhero. And a lot of people have already said before, I don't think it does. Also, again, going back to the idea that this is the last story of Peter Parker that he really does die. I don't think that like the, the comic itself really uh, spend too much time on it. I mean, you can argue that, like, it celebrates his life by showing all of our favorite issues, but that's... I mean, every every centennial issue does that. I don't, I don't think that's that's more... That, I don't think that is really worthy of the end of Peter Parker. It's just him talking to Dr. Octopus, and then he dies, and that's it. He kind of dies in this crappy body. And everyone's talking about how undignified that is, including myself. But I really do think that, like, if this is... This story should be about his end. Superior Spider-Man can be all about uh, uh, Dr. Octopus, and the ending should be, you know, be him changing, changing a leaf, but I don't think that was earned. I don't think that this, the issue properly mourned Peter Parker, and that, that goes into a uh, whole other thing, which I'm not going to spend too much time about, but everybody knows the minute 
everyone finished this comic book, I think. Everyone just thought, well, this won't last. And if that's the point, then why are we going along the motions that this is, you know, the status quo? That Peter Parker won't come back? And I know that's, that's, that's outwards towards this issue, but that sort of led me to the point where, like, I really can't get behind this at all. So you would enjoy the issue more if you knew that Peter Parker was never coming back? If there were consequences to a death in ongoing fiction? Well, that's one thing, but also, even if, if, if he's not coming back, I feel that, low, they should have at least developed not just his passing, because that, that, is, that is the risk of superheroes, they, they can die, but de- develop the, the narrative of the story to transition to Dr. Octopus being a hero. I mean, Dr. Octopus is a straight-up bad guy until the very, 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 very end. I mean, even when he, even when he knocks off the scorpion's jaw, that wasn't out of hero- heroism. That was just so he could like, – I mean, you could argue that, but like – I feel that was just sort of like his anger towards Scorpion attacking Aunt May, as it was, it's the right thing to do. And really, it's just Peter has to force feed his his morals onto Dr. Octopus in a matter of seconds for him to become a a good guy, and I don't buy that. I I, I don't. But (coughs) wouldn't you uh, Go ahead, Zach. I'm sorry, Brad. No problem. Uh, Wouldn't you argue that that's the whole point of going on with Superior, because you've got this struggle between – between the consciousness of Peter Parker and the consciousness of Doc Ock, because eventually I think that the out would be that <clears throat> Peter Parker, his personality and his will will eventually win. There's still a small piece of Peter Parker inside of him, mm-hmm. and there's going to be that ongoing war. And I, and if it was J.M.D. Mateus writing it, we'd have like all these like uh, internal monologue pages where it's like the nature <laughs> of good and evil. Wait, but, we'd, ha- we'd have a we'd have an in the brain scene. Oh yeah, every we have, uh, have like a hallucination of like Peter and Doc Ock fighting each other in a cradle, like floating yeah. on like a cloud or something. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the 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 hit Don's point and Zach kind of hit what I was going to say is about uh, the journey of Doc Ock earning this is what Superior is going to be about. We're going to see him embrace and try to do better. Well, did you really want to spend Spider-Man's final issue, like, like you know, just just setting just setting that up? Really? I mean, and I, no. The, his final issue was fighting, and we don't always win. The the good guy doesn't always win. And I, this is what Spider-Man is. I'm, I'm not argu- I'm not arguing that because I know Dan Stoss okay. run around the the planet saying that. I'm not arguing <laughs> that. What I'm saying is that like there should have been more of an of an uh, an honest development towards. I'm not saying that Doctor Oz should have been a 100 percent bona fide hero. But the idea of him being a hero is, at the, is in the last few pages, and I think that for that to transition to Superior Spider-Man should have been handled. I think that Peter in the last few pages should have been more mourned by the comic. I mean, this was, I think this has been an interesting time to reintroduce narration because nobody knows he's dead, not his lover, not his friends, not his family. They all think that, that Peter's there, but we, the readers, know, and all we really have to go on is like a is like a full splash page of basically his villain like leering over his, his dead body. Yeah, because, because and then, I think there is a, there's an example I, I remember in college about storytelling is it's it's more impactful to the reader is if you as the watcher of the movie you you see a bomb placed under a table and you know that it's going to blow up but the two people sitting at the table have no clue. Hitchcock. Hitchcock. Yeah, it's a Hitchcock example. And I think it's more impactful for us and enjoying and, and there's more enjoyment of reading that his loved ones don't know, but we do. We're in on that's it. Horrible. I think that No, I think that's that's more entertaining. It adds drama. Did we like Peter that's, Parker though? That's dramatic I mean, irony. I'm not, I'm not, that's 
I understand like, the, I agree the with Brad. in it, but I feel as though like you know the okay. I'm trying to. I'm really trying to do this, this best I can. The Are you doing fine? the the perspective of the book, this perspective of you know Peter Parker's inner narration and like how am I going to get out of this and him using his thought to talk to Doctor Octopus at the very end. Now, granted, he dies, so we can't actually like see, like see him going through the pearly gates or the fiery fires or whatever. But I feel as though it just kind of it just just drops and leaves him there. I mean. Would you not agree that, that that Amazing Spider-Man is about Peter Parker? It's not about Spider-Man; yeah. it's about Peter Parker. I feel that the book itself, the the viewpoint of the comic book, and this is this is subjective. You know, you, you can you can kind of take this and say, "Well, that's your problem, dude." But I <laughs> I think that the book should treat the past. I mean, and I don't think for a minute that Peter Parker is going to stay dead. But I think if we're going to go along those lines, the book should treat it as though he is, and really take time to like. Make us feel that feel his death. Is anybody sad? Is anybody mournful that he that he's dead? No, because they're like they're like you know. Well, he's either going to be back or let's see what let's see what Doctor Octopus is going to do. And I think that's a feeling of storytelling. But wouldn't you would you argue that you could see Carly? You know, because she's the only one that knows now of what happened. She doesn't know. Well, she well, I mean, she was she, told she doesn't. She, doesn't, she, she was doesn't told, but but if she starts seeing Peter act abnormally and she's the one that can deduce first and if you see that when she realizes that dr octopus wins and you have that morning period you may not have it in amazing spider-man but you'll have it in you could have that in superior (laughs) don in 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 your ideal a great great a spider-man 700 Peter would tell his friends that, you know what, I'm switched. Help me. You know, I don't, don't want to come off that. as more pretentious than I already am, and I don't want to, like, you know, play backseat writer because I'm not the professional writer here at Dan Slott is. But in my opinion, yeah. uh, any guy who has, you know, a writing degree, if I, were, if I were going to write the last story of Peter Parker, even though I know he would be back by the time Spider-Man 2 comes out, if I were going to write this, I would, A, have the Dr. Octopus scenes at least entertain the idea of, you know, maybe being a hero is this, or maybe being a hero is that. Not not fully go all the way with it, but at least have Doctor Doctor Octopus aware of the idea of being a hero, because he's basically planning and scheming the entire time. And then, when, and then by the end of it, that that way, his decision to become a superior Spider-Man is more earned. And then after that, we spend at least one or two more pages mourning the loss of Peter Parker. And doesn't do that. It's just. Get ready for Superior Spider-Man, and it's like, well, what the hell happened to the other guy that we spent the last fifty years talking about? <laughs> you know, I, I, I really do. I really honestly feel that that's disingenuous. A little bit. I mean, and I, and I, and I know. I'm not saying Dan Slott sucks. I'm saying I know he really tried to make this well, but I feel that like it's a miss uh, demand of the story to mourn its main character properly. I feel. Okay. All right. Go, go free to throw me out. No, no, you're fine. I think you made your point. Uh, cons? Any other cons? Uh, I'm going to say this. Uh, okay. One of my biggest cons was it made me interested a little bit in Superior, but it didn't sell me on Dr. Octopus's Spider-Man. And it's almost as if you have to read Avenging Spider-Man 15.1 to get sold on Dr. Octopus, and I felt like that should have been done in 700. 
Does anybody disagree with me? I mean, I assume everybody's read that, fifteen point one. That's part of the problem too. Like, I don't, I don't think for a minute people just. I mean, what? Uh, I don't want to rob your uh, talking point, Zach, but like the whole images of of uh, you know the, the images of Doctor Octopus, Spider Man going through all the issues that we read. Those are emotionally evocative, and you, I think you feel a lot of excitement for that. But I think that that's in place of genuine logic, where Doctor Octopus would do that. And like when you say you weren't sold on the idea, I think that's that's part of the problem. I agree with that. However, I, it did enough to in, in draw me in and make me invested in the story. I mean, I gave it a C plus. I mean, it wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It just was. And so, but well, I, I think I was talking. I, I think I was talking. I think I was talking to Chris about this. What sold me was fifteen point one of avenging, and Chris Yost, and see that was that was a good issue. Too. I mean, a spectacular issue. I, if, if I was to give that one a grade, I'd give it an A just because it absolutely sold me as Peter Parker Peter Parker as Dr. Octopus. Dr. Octopus. That woman. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> that woman. What, what is the, I don't have the issue. In, yeah, I do. I actually have it in front of me. What, what's that, that Mary that what was that Mary Jane line that he says in the book about that has a nice big pinup of My her. God, she's incredible. Dear God, that woman. Peter Parker is a fool. Yeah. His memories <laughs> now, tell me that no one Do you interpret that as he's a fool for not going after her? Or he's a fool for hanging out with her? Or he can't resist her? He's for a, not going out for not for for letting her get away. For letting her get away because that's the way I read it too. Yeah. That's how I that's how I read it. Yeah. You can read it either way. You could, yeah. Any other cons? All right, yeah. I got I got a liturgy to hit it. Hit it. About. I want to hear them. Um, maybe liturgy is an, uh, an exaggeration, but but first of all, I'm not really concerned with the angle of is this a good send off to Peter Parker or you know is this the ending that he deserves because we all know that this isn't an ending for him. This is not even the ending of a story. This it's is a setback. This is this is the middle of a story that's still continuing. This is the issue of Captain America where he gets shot. You know, that wasn't the end of the story. That was the beginning of Bucky as Captain America. Or the Batman where he gets sent back in time by Darkseid. Like, if, if people were, I mean, people were screaming, like, that's how you would send off Batman? But, I mean, come on. The same writer is writing it and... This obviously has an ending. They're obviously not getting rid of Peter Parker. I think it's just, it's just I don't even want to look at it in from that direction. So I'm looking at this as the middle chapter of a long story. And but what it does have to accomplish is set up Doc Ock as a hero. And I think the way they do it is just awful. Um, because first of all, I mean you guys know that. I don't need to be sold on the idea of Doc Ock as Spider-Man. I've been sold on it. I've wanted this to happen for months now. I've wanted this to ha- yeah, <laughs> I was like, this would, be, <laughs> this would be the perfect direction for the story. This, so the outcome is exactly what I want, but I want the transition of Doc Ock going from being a villain to being a hero to be a natural progression that has some semblance of something that could really happen to a person. And even if it's a sci-fi story, I I would want it to at least be a little bit more gradual, a little bit more believable. But this is Doc Ock essentially having a new personality beamed into his head in a page. And that is sort of a lame way to rewrite how a character acts. Now, I wouldn't have had a problem if 
in my ideal A plus 700 throughout the story, just having Peter's memories sort of starts to influence Doc Ock and he, he starts to act more like Peter Parker would without really wanting to. Sort of how like in um, Avenging 15.1, he sort of instinctively stops a crook and he didn't even intentionally do that. It's just sort of something about Peter Parker is reasserting itself. And and that's that's kind of how I wanted this to go, but yeah. first of all, this sort of scene where Peter's sort of blasting Doc Ock with all of his memories. What exactly is he giving Doc Ock that Doc Ock didn't already have? Because yes. in a past issue, we have been explained the mechanics of this mind swap. Is that Peter at least could not just access Doc Ock's memories, but he could actually feel like he was there, like when his dad was hitting him, you know, Peter felt right. the pain, like I, it was happening to I him. I interpret so. it as his, his, he, there's a difference between memories and feeling memories, I guess. I, 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 I read it as he's now feeling the emotions of it, as opposed to just having facts and figures in his head of a person's life. I, I, I can see that, and if they had actually yeah. said that was happening in the comic book, it would have made more sense to me. Uh, and so maybe yeah. if you were writing this, it would have been better. But, you know, Dan <laughs> Slott was writing it. I am the biggest Spider-Man fan I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't conveyed to me very well. I didn't, I didn't get that from the actual I story. I got, you know, the, these images were being blasted, and, and Doc Ock was suddenly like, now I have to be a hero. And that that's not a satisfying character change. That's basically, it's science in the story, but basically it's magic, you know, from our perspective. If somebody snaps their fingers and Doc Ock is a different person, and that's not a character progression, that's just we're making a new person and calling him Doc Ock now. Was, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I did not think that was a good execution of that, and that is, I think, enough of a flaw with the story that it drags down an issue that I almost completely loved up until that point. Like I said, I was completely sold on everything that was happening until they went that route in changing his character. Don had a quick counterpoint to you. What were you going to say, Don? Jim, trying to remember it. Uh, it was it was the whole um, like like basically every everything everybody's saying is basically articulating what I'm saying or I'm trying to say that like whole. Making Doctor Octopus like building up to it, and was it fifteen point one or whatever? It was just, yeah. Why, why, why couldn't that, why couldn't that ha- have happened when he was? I, I'm just repeating what I'm saying. Like why couldn't that happen during the issue? You know, the villain. You know, the villain is being you get portrayed as the villain is being corrupted by the goodness of Peter Parker until the end when he accepts the goodness. But but no, he's he's you know I mean it's a well written Doctor Octopus in in that he's a villain. But that makes the, that double damns the ending in that like it makes it more kind of insulting that he says, "Don't worry, Peter Parker, you're not leading this to a villain." Well, judging by your actions, which speak louder than words, ah, how is he supposed to know that? You know, a, a better way that they sort of did a similar thing was with Kane in the new Scarlet Spider series, because the angle they're taking with Kane in that character is that while he had his clone degeneration, his mind was warped and he wasn't thinking clearly, and that's why he was so bad. But now that he's been cured of that, he's starting to think clearly, and over time, he's starting to act more like Peter Parker would. But in the meantime, he's sort of denying that change in his nature and resisting it and being like, you know, I'm a loner, I don't care about anybody else. But he, you know, as time goes on, he starts to more and more give in to his heroic nature. And I think 
that is sort of a way to do a sci-fi character change based on someone's brain changing that is a little bit more believable because they're taking their time with it and you can sort of imagine how a person would naturally react in that situation if it were possible. Chris, did you have more cons you said you want to hit up? or is... yeah. I, well, I think we should throw out one more thing because people I think are going to okay. get mad if we don't talk about this angle was that okay. people were were raising the issue that it seemed like Peter was giving up at the end when he passed the torch to Doc Ock voluntarily and said, you know, keep my family safe. So I was wondering what you guys thought of that. The, uh, the, that was my only con of the issue. I, I, I think the wording of that last panel when Doc Ock slash Peter is laying down, uh, I said in my review, I think some alternate, the, the line that he says in the book is, MJ, they're all here. Let me see them here. Promise me you'll keep them safe. And Doc, Doctopus, Spider Puss <laughs> <laughs> says, I promise. Hmm, that's all I, Spider, be careful. The line, I think, because I, I just think it was just a smidge off. I, I think even to his dying breath, I think Peter would still be fighting Ock. I don't think he'd be accepting uh, or passing the torch. Some lines I used in my review, I think, would work instead of the lines that were there. Uh, possibly Peter saying, you're Spider-Man now. Uh, oh, no, wait a minute. A line like, Doc, I've gotten out of worse situations like this. I'll see you in hell, I think would have worked better. Or, I don't, I don't know how, but you won't win. Haven't you heard the bad guy always gets it in the end? And I thought Spider-Puss yeah. saying, what about, uh, Brad, what about the counter, the bad guy now? What about the counter-argument that if Peter had said those things at that moment, he would have risked antagonizing Doc Ock at the the second that he had finally started to reach him, and that would have actually made Doc Ock more likely to attack his friends and family. Uh, I, I, I disagree. He'd, I don't think he'd ever give in. I think he'd still fight, keep trying to lift it up. I don't think... He, I don't. I, I just don't buy you that. You call me a what? Get over here, Mary Jane. <laughs> we haven't heard that from was... JR. JR, you got some cons on this? Well, um, <laughs> I was about to say, I'll have to backtrack to give you my con, one of my cons. Um... I, I don't like the implication that all of a sudden J. Jonah Jameson is now going to be a big supporter of Spider-Man just because the Spider-Man that he saw knocked Scorpion's jaw clean off. <laughs> I mean, it was almost like, yeah, well, you know, Spider-Man showed that he, you know, I, I didn't know you had it in you, kid, you know. And but but that's always what that's what one thing Jonah has always been afraid of with Spider-Man that Spider-Man would lose control, that he would become more brutal uh, and abusive of his power. But you know now. Now it's like, oh, you know, he, you know, he, uh, he took Scorpion's head off. If anything happens to him, I'll never forgive myself. What? You know, so that didn't make any sense to me. Um, I, the thing is, I'm, uh, I'm like, I guess some others. I'm glad, to be honest, that we didn't do a whole lot of mourning of Peter Parker, because, frankly, the emotional. I mean, there is no emotional impact of Peter Parker's death, at least not to me. Because we've been through this with Captain America. We've been through this with uh, the Human Torch. You know, big, long, you know, soliloquies and people mourning and people crying and, you know, and shit in 12 months they're back. Uh, <laughs> it's been done. It's been done. I mean, so, yeah. you know, and, and if they had tried that, there, you know, I, I, there, to, to be honest, there wouldn't have been an emotional impact. It's like, okay, yeah, call me again in 12 months and we'll see if he's back. Um, you know, and, and, and plus... why do it? Well... <laughs> 
because of the possibility of new storylines, Doc Ock and Spidey. We haven't had it, that. It, it's something different to do for a while. I don't. Uh, I no. don't have a. Uh, you know, Doc Ock has been a sorely underused, uh, underappreciated, mishandled villain. Uh, I, this is actually a good chance for him to shine uh, and see what he. You know, and, and delve into his character a little bit more. Um, you know, again, you know, I'm a per, you know, again, one of my favorite characters of all of uh, fiction died in one movie and then came back to life in another. So, I mean, you know, Spock. Yeah. I mean, it's almost yeah. like, you know, Peter Parker's Katra is now in Doctor. I mean, yeah, Peter Parker's Katra <laughs> is in. He's in Doctor. No, wait a minute. Dr. Octopus. Actually, it's Peter's body. Dr. Octopus's Katra is in his head. So, yeah. And, and, that sounds you know, so wrong to me. And, you know, as far as yeah. as far as the, the hero thing, you know, when Doc Ock. Spider-Man says you're not you're not leaving it to a villain. I mean, Doc Ock doesn't see himself as a villain. Never did. You know, yeah, Norman Osborn doesn't see himself as a villain. I mean, now their 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 interpretations of what a hero is is probably going to be different. But Doc never really saw himself as a villain. You know, he was he you know he was misunderstood and unappreciated for the genius that he was. So, you know, I, that, that doesn't bother me either that we didn't have a build-up to Ock being a hero. Um, you know, so That's it, a good point. Some of the best villains really do think they're doing good. Yeah, well, That's very good. I mean, no one names themselves the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants anymore. You know? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, they, they really, I mean, and really, it's, it's I, you know, and I don't want to, you know, belabor this point too much, but, you know, because Dr. Octopus is not a pedophile like Jerry Sandusky, for example. But when you listen to somebody like Jerry Sandusky talk, I mean, he's an extreme case, but he still does not think he did anything wrong. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, you know, uh, but, but and, and also, I do believe that when Peter, I, you know, I, I, I agree with uh, kind of what's been said, that it seems a little bit too, a little bit too chummy between Peter and Doc at the end. Um, but I, I would say too, you've got two people whose whose brains are completely scrambled right now. And second of all, Doctor Octopus is is the kind of guy who might actually be a little magnanimous when his when his enemy is beaten. Norman wouldn't be, you know. No, no. You know, Norman. Norman, would, Norman. Norman is the type of guy that would kick dirt on your grave, you know, and or or, or say, you know, you're dying, Peter. Okay. Hey, MJ, come over. Let me plant one on you. You know. All over Doctor Octopus's body. That's the, you know Norman would do something like that, but Doc Doctor Octopus is. The, I can see him actually being a little magnanimous at a be, at a beaten at a worthy and beaten foe, um, but you know that's a matter of interpretation, but. Um, but the thing is, though, the story, you know, it wasn't a great story. Uh, it was an okay story. I gave it a B, but some of the reviews I'm seeing, like from, from Newsarama and stuff, I mean, I'm sorry. Ten of a ten, poet, you know, calling it poetry? Uh-uh. Right now. They have their lips so far at Marvel's ass. looks like the human centipede. Oh, <laughs> exactly. So. On that note, uh, Bertone gets the last <laughs> con. What? <laughs> You had some cons you yeah, wanted to, to piggyback on one of the points that Chris made, Dr. Octopus, I felt like Dr. Octopus's turn at the end, or I guess Peter Puss, because Peter's Dr. Octopus, Dr. Octopus is Peter, this is going to get confusing, but Peter Puss's turn at the end, it was way, way too abrupt, and we've had a three-part story, and we could have had for the last, like, three issues have, you know, Peter Puss slowly get these memories, or, like, you know, slowly do something that maybe the real Peter would do, and then until at the end, where 
it's just very, very abrupt. And I've made the joke to Don a few times that it's like the end of Aladdin. Like, you know, you want to be Spider-Man? You've got it. Everything that comes with it. It's like, I don't understand because he, he's got Peter's memories. He had those. And, and Chris makes the point, too. Like, when Peter was accessing Ox memories, he remembered all the emotions, all the pain. He felt his father hit him. It's, I don't understand, you know, like... Doc Ock has the same thing that he had two issues ago, that all of a sudden it, it's making him turn. And because this is what's supposed to sell us on the story, it's, it's way too abrupt. And it's, it, it got me really confused about what's going on in Peter Puss's head, too. And, and I thought that, he w- that his mind was in a certain place after reading this issue. But, you know, and that, okay, maybe he's like all of a sudden a hero now. But then once we get to Avenging Spider-Man, he's still twirling his mustache and, you know, laughing over, you know, uh, the Peter Oct- Peter's body or, or Dr. Octopus's body. God, this is going to get confusing. No doubt. And, I uh, like Peter Puss. I like the, calling him Peter Puss. Yeah. I, I can't, and, I can't and, take and credit for that Spock. One. How about we call uh, Spider-Man an ox body Spock? That'd be copyright infringement. <laughs> I, can, I can live with that because Spock died and All came right. back. P- Peter Puss and Spock. That's what we're going to call him from now on. <laughs> yeah, and and a few points that are red- and these are dude, these are like little like funny nitpicks. But I notice at the end when Peter Puss is having that whole internal monologue, it's all internal until he gets to Superior Spider-Man. He says that out loud. So if you're like Mary Jane and Carly watching this, all of a sudden Spider-Man's randomly shouting the Superior Spider-Man over a dead guy's body. <laughs> <laughs> Like, well, he says that out loud and nothing else. Oh, and, no, that's funny. And earlier in the issue, again, this is just a, a little thing, but when when, uh, when Jay and May are watching um, on TV Carly out of the police station, she's not on a stretcher. She's not in the back of an ambulance. She's just walking out with her arm in a sling. This is enough to get Aunt May so panicked that, like, remember, she needs to walk with the cane now. She bolts up from the couch, like, oh, no, we have to head to the hospital right away. Not, oh, let's call Carly and send her a get-well card. Like, Carly's, you know, arm in a sling is enough that they need to get to the hospital ASAP. It's the Carly <laughs> hammer. Uh, oh, God, that don't. The Carly <laughs> hammer hasn't been a thing in, like, a year or two. I'm so over that. Anything else for Tony? Honestly, we we could go on for hours, but those are the main things that I wanted to head up. That that is the pros and the cons. We're going to do various talking points, and I've assigned these to each uh, yes, panelist. Uh, media reaction: Amazing Seven Hundred. Uh, NPR of all places is covering this. CNN, all the major news outlets. Marvel is getting a lot of free press over Amazing Seven Hundred. Uh, Zach, Zach, you you saw the CNN report with Don Lemon. Don Lemon just looked confused in that. Yeah, report. yeah. You, you're talking about the, the gentleman in the report. Yeah, the CNN. Yeah, guy, okay, yeah. He was a little confused. I have to say though, the the and I cannot remember her name, and I'm sorry. Like sure. Crystal something. Crystal something. Well, Miss Crystal the over there, she yeah. actually. Oh, the one Don Lemon was interviewing. Yes. Yeah. She actually did some research, and I. I have to say, I was very impressed that they mentioned the last major status quo change, along with the Ultimate Spider-Man's death of Spider-Man story. So you got to give her props for that. Uh, the inter- that wasn't really anything major. Um, or excuse me, that's uh, it, it. Just it just was a very quick, probably thirty ninety second mentioning during the twenty four hour news cycle on the twenty sixth. Wasn't huge, but it was enough to to for me to say, you know, well done on her part. And this goes back to the death threat thing that I was going to bring up, um, or that 
it, here's the difference between the last status quo change, which was one more day, and this one. This one's it's it's like I think Chris brought it up. It's a part of an ongoing story, an ongoing narrative. Whereas one more day was just no build up whatsoever. It happened and then there was no resolution to it. It there was no build up, there was it happened, no resolution. Whereas this one's gonna have it's it's just a part of an ongoing narrative. So so does anybody disagree with me on that one? That's where I that's why I feel like this one is I'm not as upset about this one as I was about that one. No, this this, this totally story agree. is nowhere near as bad as One More Day or Brandon Day. I know I know a lot of people are saying that. I don't think that had the media coverage though. This one is hitting the news media probably because it's a slow news cycle around Christmas. Well, that too. And and, and look, yeah. I've ma- I made the joke with Superior when they announced Superior Spider-Man that uh, uh, USA Today was now the uh, the public relations arm of Marvel. But they yeah, were, they get a lot of exclusives, don't yeah, they? Yeah, they got the exclusive when they revealed that it was Ock. I mean, when the, the day that uh, uh, 700 came out, the 26th of December, they were the ones that, that had the very first interview. So, uh, that I mean, that's that's cool. Um, and, and, you know, if, if, if a major news outlet like USA Today has it, then uh, another other news outlets such as CNN are going to do it. You brought up the NPR interview, and I, I listened to this last night because I hadn't listened to it before. I was impressed with slot in that interview. And I know that some people are like, what? But I mean, we, we've had him on this show, Brad, we had him on episodes 17, 18 and 19 and one and Bertoni interviewed him in uh, episode 111. He's a good interview and he's a good interview yep. in the M- NPR interview too. Um, very well. I, I agree. Very, he did good. Yeah. Very well articulate or articulate. Articulate. <laughs> All the words to stumble on. Articulate is not one you want to mess with. Right. It shows that you aren't. <laughs> exactly. But but in that interview, I thought he was articulate, and he basically did a very good job. I mean, it was a short four-minute interview, and they interspliced, like, I think, the 1960s cartoon. Which, right. uh, But I, it was yeah. – it's, it's a good interview for people from a source that really isn't biased one way or another, like, like a, say, a CBR or a, or a Newsarama. Uh, so I suggest check, checking that one out if you haven't checked it out already on the front page. Um, that was probably – of the two, I think that was probably my favorite. So, uh, Bertoni, you're going to hit this next talking point up about uh, – of all things, Dan Slott had some death threats on uh, Twitter. Yeah, and this is a very touchy subject because – I mean, on the one side, you have people saying, oh, my gosh, death threats, this is horrible, which they are. And then on the other side, there's the people like, well, is this really a surprise? But then the response to that is, are you trying to justify, you know, that Slot had these death threats? Because to me, it's it's almost not news. And I don't want to say I'm surprised that people are making a big deal out of it because they are. I mean, because death threats are a big deal. Say what? Why is it not news? Death threats on the internet. You know, five years ago, oh my gosh, people were like calling for Joe. They said worse stuff to Joe Casada. Um, I hear death threats for Grant Morrison, for Dan. De- I hear it all the time, and maybe, maybe we're not supposed to be used to it. Maybe, maybe they should be doing what Dan Slott's doing and reporting it to the authorities. But it's the fact that Dan Slott's death threats got headlines that was really surprising to me, and. Um, 
Uh, I'll, I'll say this on the podcast. I guess people can know what happened with us behind the scenes. We, when this first became a thing, you know, Brad, we have this like mass text thing among the staff of Crawl Space. Brad's like, hey, should I write an article about it? And we all said, no, that's not really news. And then the next day, like, CBR and Newsarama had a thing. And then it was on CNN, of all stuff, which was a surprise, but it's, uh, I thought originally I thought that slot was the one that was making this like a big deal, but then I saw like he he declined to be interviewed about it for CBR, and all he's really doing is just telling people on his Twitter I am now rep- I am now reporting each time you do this. So and then CBR had a follow up about the legality of death threats over the internet because it actually is hard to prosecute against some of those, believe it or not. But this happens all the, this happens all the, the thing time. Is, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, when celebrities, and I guess in in comic book world, Dan Slott is a, cele- a comic book celebrity. Yeah, uh, it makes national headlines, and and I think it does give credence to the person who gave the death threats. That's why I I was leery to 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 report it before the other guys did. But it, it's it's now out there. I mean, right. it's it's. Etc. And and even on the, here, I'll even do a little behind the scenes crawl space. There was one person that I I guess you could consider it a death threat the slot, and I didn't I didn't allow the comment to appear on the in the comment section. So I I I don't a I don't understand what's in these people's minds. I think they're just they think they can write anything on the internet and and think which, it's okay. And think it's okay. I mean, that's saying you're going to kill somebody is not okay, no matter what form of medium it is. It's like we, it's we, like we gave an instant ban to someone who did a death threat yeah. to Casada on the day right. that Omit Part One came out. Well, I don't even remember that. Yeah, but yeah I, I believe you. It was well, he did. I gave an instant ban to the person that 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 threatened him over this. Right. Uh, he like well, the guy that we instant banned Casada. He he he. Uh, he posted, what you're talking about. He, he posted an M&M video talking about going to sleep, and, and it was talking about going to sleep permanently. And so we insta-banned him. But, Grief. I mean, there's... there's why, did, why did they do that? Do they think there's no consequences to this? And How do they understand guess, the implications? The internet brings out the worst in people because you can... There's not as much, cons, you know, consequences for social behavior, and there is... Swamp have... have um, even announced that this happened. You think he should have covered it up? You see, I've honestly had to rethink my stance on this, because when this first happened, I was like, what's the big deal? This happens all the time. Why is this news when it's Dan Slott? But you know what? Like, I I said to myself, what's wrong with Dan Slott telling people he's going to report these? You know, maybe maybe everyone else should take a harder stance on it. I don't know. It's... uh, the thing that gets me is CBR and Newsarama and CNN acting like this is a very, very unique thing that's happening because this happens on a regular basis. It shouldn't happen on a regular basis, and death threats are not justified. That's for, you know that's for sure. But this is the sad state, and this isn't just for the comic book industry. People people are still threatening to kill Yoko Ono. It's grief, <laughs> and and people from people from TV shows. It's that's why it's scary. I, I would think it'd be scary to be a celebrity. Oh, a big a Brad Pitt type celebrity, that kind of thing. 
And Slot is, like, on a Twitter hiatus. He had to actually give his password to Ellie Pyle. And when I say had to, it's not like he was ordered to. I think he did that so that way, like, he wouldn't have the temptation. People were saying that he's doing this because of the death threats. He's not doing this because of the death threats. He's been saying months before the death threats even happened, even as far back as before San Diego, that he knew that when this issue came out, he had to hide from the Internet for a while. He was joking about it for a while. This was the plan before the death threats happened, but the stories kind of got him mixed up to this is why you people can't have nice things, you know. Look, you you know, you death threat <laughs> people drove Dan Slott away from Twitter. No, no, no. He was always going to take his break. It's, he even retweeted well, some of the funny stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is the guy that was going, you know, I'm going to go find a bunker when Amazing 700 comes out, and I won't come out until after Superior 1 comes out. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean... Hopefully he found his bunker and he's he's enjoying himself and and maybe being able to read the internet without having to immediately tweet because like we've made jokes of on this on this show I think Chris made it last month that the requ- now required reading to understand Amazing Spider Man is is Dan Slott's Twitter feed yeah. which is which is just kind of <laughs> that's ridiculous true. but it's not true yeah. and, um let's move on to another talking point uh how long is this going to last. Don, this is yours. This is mine. How long do you think this uh, Superior Spider-Man is going to last before they bring Amazing back? We going 100 issues? We're going to do Amazing 800? Uh, well, Mary Jane and Peter are, are have not, you know, socked Mephisto in the face yet. Uh, so that's a record. I mean, that's that's honestly uh, the other half of my main problem with the issue is that, like, no one – this. you know what? I, I told Josh one time I'll give this the benefit of the doubt and say – I'll say – at the maximum, I don't think this is very likely, but the maximum ten years, you know, because five years has gone by since since one more day. My thing is that like, th- that's just the thing though. Nobody believes for a second that this is going to be, you know, fifty. I mean, I know that like Wacker and others have people have entertained the idea, but I don't think they've ever flat out said we'll never bring Peter Parker back because they know that's not to be true. My thing is that like that's the problem with this type of storyline. You know what's not going to happen, and I know that Jr. and Chris pointed out, you know, because you know what's not going to happen, don't put so much. Uh, uh, don't put so much involvement into like the storyline because it's not, you know, it's not permanent. But that's, then why tell the story at all? It's like why? To me, it's like why do we have to have a you know a controversial or or sometimes bad storyline to get to a good storyline? Why do we have to go through one more day so we get a brand new day, which didn't matter anyway because brand new was crap anyway? But why? Why, why entertain yeah. the idea? Why? Why kind of you know pretend that this is a status quo? Is you know because we know the audience knows the medium. So I'm, I just kind of question. I see, like, why? I know you can tell different stories, but you know, this it's still sort of. It goes back to my my overwritten review of how the whole whole theme of Spider-Man is changing back to a status quo, no matter what. It, it's the thing about comics that you have to accept that a man can crawl on a wall, and you kind of have to accept that death isn't permanent. No, I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree with that, honest, because it's one well, thing. So many pre- people come back from. The dead in the Marvel universe. Yeah, it's not Jesus like it is in his grave. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, uh, heard you made that uh, uh, analogy before, or not analogy, but I've heard you say that, Brad. And like, I respectfully disagree because, and I think someone said it before in the past on the podcast that you can accept that a teenager can crawl on a wall, but you know, to come back from the dead, it's like it. There are certain times of uh, there are certain uh. It's not so much if Peter Parker comes back from the dead. It's how is he going to react to that? What, what are, how are his friends and family going to react to that? Is it going to be business as usual, or are there going to be actual changes? And 
because the, the the powers that be enjoy their status quo. I don't think there is going to be a lot of change. Like I, I whenever he come, he does come back, I really doubt that it's going to, it's going to matter much in the long run. Well, it's, he came back from the other. Hey, exactly. can I respond to um, Don's point here? Yeah. Yeah, I I think that I agree with the general point that there are some things that you shouldn't have to accept even in a sci-fi story, like people behaving unnaturally or motivations not making sense. But I think in this particular instance, we have a story where you have to accept that a mind can switch bodies. And that, in order to accept that, you have to accept also that a mind is an entity that exists separately from a body, which opens the door to the idea that a mind can continue to exist even after a body has died. So I think if they do an explanation of Peter coming back, where either his mind is sort of rebuilds itself in Doc Ock's head or it's saved somewhere else like in the Golden Octobot, it'll still be following the, the rules consistently of this particular sci-fi story. So I don't think there would be a cause to complain that the Rahim rising from the dead is somehow um, breaks the, the internal logic of this story, to be honest. Uh, I think it depends on just real quick. I think it depends on how the supporting characters like Mary Jane are affected. Um, I mean, we yeah, can't if you brought back from the dead, if you brought back from the dead by the Beyonder or something like that, that, that would suck. But well, I'm yeah, holding out hope that it'll be more natural. So, Don, I want to do your. I want you to pretend you're Chris and do a little Nostradamus for me. Uh, how long is this going to last? G- give me, give me a prediction right now. Captain America lasted what four years dead, uh, mm-hmm. even though that mattered more. I say what. Uh, I say I'll be I'll be generous. I'll say no longer than 2020, but I predict it, then by the time uh, ASM two comes back, then Dan Slott will end his run on on Spider Man by bringing Peter Parker back to life, or back to back in the role of Spider Man. My my guess is a year. Anybody else have a guess? I say more than a year. I say at least two. Yeah, it's about fifty okay. issues. Um, yeah. With the current twice a month format, so I'd, I'd say let's say that's about right. Is Superior still Bertone, twice a month? Yes. Bertoni, how long is it going to last? I'd say between a year and two years. Um, yeah. I'm interested in this because it's such a novelty, but the novelty and the curiosity factor of you know Peter Puss, uh, his adventures will kind of wear off and you know with new movies coming out and honestly the turnover rate for these is a lot shorter than it used to be it used to be like five years or decades before people would come back the human torch was back like i feel like it was less than a year later yeah jr how long is he coming back when's he coming back uh sometime before may of 2014 (laughs) here's the question though who will come back first peter or gwen stacy oh peter yeah, I don't, no doubt. I don't know. <laughs> no doubt. All right, uh, let's see. JR, you got this next one. Back in 99, they ended Amazing Spider-Man, and uh, Byrne and Mackie killed it. <laughs> uh, how is this different? How is this uh, different by ending Amazing? Oh, this this isn't even remotely comparable. Uh, yeah. it, it's it, They're not the same thing. I mean, this this we all know this is a gimmick, and I don't think Marvel has... I don't think Marvel has really tried to talk too hard in implying otherwise. 
uh, we have a pretty good idea based on, you know, particularly what happened with Fantastic Four. Remember that got canceled, you know, and then FF took over and now Fantastic Four is back. Um, the only question about Amazing Spider-Man is will it start out at number 701 or will it be completely rebooted again with the number one? Now, the, the, the re- I think we know the answer. That's going to be a number one. I mean, I, you know, I don't I, I I, I'm about 50-50 on that because they keep resurrecting. You know, maybe you're right. Maybe they'll do that, and then when it, t- it comes time for, like, number 800, then they'll go back to the 800. So that's possible. That'll happen. But, no, 99 was a completely different thing. I mean, they had no intention of ever going back to the original numbering. As far as they were concerned, the status quo was permanent, and it was because Spider-Man was broken. You know, you know, ignoring the fact that they'd been doing a lot of shit stories in the past or whatever, but it was, all oh, spider man got broken we got a fixing so we'll dust off this new number one and you know and we'll you know and then of course then we'll proceed to tell even shittier stories uh you know um the thing, the thing is no then this is just a, this is just another story i mean no one i mean they're not even like remember when peter parker Unmask and Marvel tried to convince us that oh this was permanent we got a lot of stories we can really tell with this you know meanwhile uh, Brevort's uh, manifesto was already circulating around about how they're going to undo it you know this is not the same thing this this is just another story um, and amazing it'll be back the thing is when the ninety nine ending happened and the reboot we still had an amazing Spider Man title I mean this is the first time in fifty years we're not going to be picking up an amazing Spider Man title. You know, that that, that kind of hurts. Yeah, I mean, that, no, uh, I, give it time. I was about to say, does it hurt as much as breaking your verbalismitude? But anyway, uh, Ooh, you really love that line, I'm, don't you? I'm sorry, Don. I can't let that go. I still have no idea what the hell that means. Man. I mean, yeah. that is that is more. Le- I mean, I think combined, that's more letters than the entire alphabet. Uh, <laughs> Any, no. anyway, I mean, I, I never, I don't even recall Leonard Nimoy using those words in an episode of Star Trek. Uh, but, okay, but but anyway, to, to get back, you know, Brad, in '99, if we were going without an Amazing Spider-Man, I would have, I would have agreed with you. But in the last decade or so, Marvel has done so much juicing and and and, and jimmying and gimmicking of the numbers. They mean nothing anymore. I mean, I, I've always said that uh, you know, Amazing is one of those three ti- or one of those four titles that should never reboot and should go on forever, uh, like you know, Detective Action and, and Fantastic Four. But with all the point ones and point twos, and you know, jumping immediately to six hundred, and you know, even if you aren't, what, what was it? Was it Thor or whatever that they called it number six hundred, even though it was really like number five ninety eight or something? Mm-hmm. Really, they've made the numbers meaningless, and the fact that Amazing yeah. Spider Man will go for you know for a year without being published, really, that doesn't mean any. I, I hate to say it, being a long time old you know Spider Man collecting fart and crony, but they they're they've pretty well rendered it meaningless. The numbers. So yeah. I'm not I'm not emotionally invested in it anymore. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see. Oh, this ought to be good. Chris, you got this one. That's positive did, da- did Doc Ock rape Mary Jane? That's a lot of fans are debating that one. What's your two cents? Well, first of all, I don't think fans are necessarily saying that Mary Jane got raped in this issue because I guess the worst that Doc Ock did was kiss her. But I think what's gotten people worried is that if in a future issue they sleep together, would that be rape? So that's sort of the hypothetical angle I was thinking I was going to take this, right? 
Um, and as sort of a threshold, uh, philosophically, I think you could say that whether or not something is legally defined as rape or not doesn't necessarily have a bearing on whether it is a, whether it's an immoral action or something that's deeply, deeply wrong. Like, if we went all went to an island where there were no laws at all and somebody forced themselves on another person, we would still say that person was a rapist even though there are no laws for that person to break. So I can talk about what I think the, whether or not someone whether or not found, found what was that? It was an echo, but go ahead. Black uh, mute. Um, I can talk about what I think the the legal aspect of this is. Um, Bleeding Cool actually posted a pretty good article bringing up uh, that, first of all, rape by fraud or whatever you would want to call it actually is a crime in British law, but in the United States it varies from state to state. And Bleeding Cool had examples from two different states. One was Connecticut and the other was Massachusetts where I guess um, somebody's sibling pretended to be them and tricked like a girlfriend into having sex with them and was that rape. And in both cases they found that under the law of that state it was not rape because there was no useless force. Um, and I actually just saw um, reported yesterday there was a case out of California where a man went into a dark bedroom where his friend's girlfriend was sort of half asleep and started having sex with her and the girlfriend thought that that was her boyfriend and he got charged with rape and the California Court of Appeals actually found that um, the law in California is it's rape if you're impersonating somebody's husband and that's actually what the or, or the, the law says spouse um, and that's actually what the statute says and in this case, the, the victim wasn't married, so the law couldn't apply to her, and that's that was the outcome of that case. That person had his conviction reversed. Um, <laughs> since this story takes place in New York, I actually went ahead and looked up what the rape laws in New York are. Oh, and, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, a couple disclaimers. You know, a lot of law is in how the courts have interpreted it, and I have no idea what what the New York courts have said about these. I have no idea if there isn't uh, laws of, in New York that I didn't find that uh, I'm missing here. So this is not legal advice or anything. This this is just uh, a game, really. This is for fun. But in, uh, in New York, rape in the first degree, it says, a person is guilty of rape in the first degree when he or she engages in sexual intercourse with another person, one, by forcible compulsion, not not the case here, or two, who is incapable of consent by reason of being physically helpless, which is probably not the case here because MJ wouldn't be physically helpless. She'd just be being deceived. Um, and then the, the other things have to do with age, you know, like statutory rape. And then there's rape in the second degree and rape in the third degree. And, you know, the, the you, you'll have to take my word for it. I don't want to read all of them. But it, none of those would apply here. Um, the rape in the third degree actually says that it's rape if, if the sex didn't have consent for some reason other than physical helplessness or incapacity. But then you have to look into another part of the law where it defines what lack of consent means, and then there's a list there, and none of them uh, include being tricked. So I think... You know, I could be wrong. Nobody act on this uh, information, obviously. If you do, you're a terrible, terrible person. Um, but I think in New York, this would not be rape, legally speaking. Right. 
And that's something I hope in the future issues. I mean, I, I, in my opinion, I don't think she was raped in 700. Most people say that now. But in, in a future issue, I hope it isn't uh, open to debate too much. I think that it's really kind of bad that this this kind of theme keeps repeating up in this current run. Whether mm-hmm. this ambiguous thing that like I really the ambiguousness, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's one thing. I, I see how it works as drama, and it doesn't really bother me because it's not as uncomfortable as you know, like an all Order SBU type of uh, situation. But at the same time. It is something which can very easily be defined as, as, as you know, uh, rape. And I think Marvel honestly should steer clear from that. And they, they, they don't, they don't know when to stop. Yeah. I just want to add that I think that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just think the whole was MJ raped or will she get raped? I think that's. I think it's premature for people to. I think they're getting overwrought over something. What what was. The thing with the Van Le- the, the 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 chameleon and the Van Lenty story is yeah. they backtracked trying to even and said they well they didn't even have sex. I mean to me that's what what got me you know uh, aggravated was you know they they tried to say that they didn't even have sex because they got such fierce blowback you know and it was just their their general disingenuousness. So and so far, I don't I don't see anything like that here on Marvel's part. I think I think, Mar- I think Marvel's going to be a little bit more careful this time, or at least I, would I hope they don't they don't seem to learn though, do they? And this is a I, I reoccurring problem in the Marvel universe. I didn't think about it until just recently. But if you're going to go by that as the definition of rape, technically Johnny Storm was raped for years. Why? <laughs> uh, uh, he was married to Alicia Masters, but it turned out oh, she was lying. So like, Elijah, how yeah. is that any different from this? I mean, uh, yeah, not, not because he's a well, man. Well, he's and a everything. dude. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Oh, no, shut up, Zach. I'm kidding. I'm shut kidding. up, Zach. <laughs> I, yeah, well, I'm kidding. We, we went an hour and a half before saying that. That's the thing. Hey, you know, I... <laughs> well, you know. I was, was going to say it. The, to- the topic of rape has never come up, and it's... Uh, one thing that has to be addressed with this, just be... Let's say Dr. Octopus, you know, does have sex with Mary Jane, and... I saw something online that's actually making me question if it's going to happen, and I have a theory about it, but I'm not going to get into that now. If he does, That's not Marvel saying that rape is okay. Dr. Octopus is a villain. Villains do villainous things. When Dr. Yes. Octopus, like, it's not, it's not glorifying murder that Dr. Octopus, you know, murdered Peter Parker. Uh, we've got a couple more topics. Uh, the sh- this first episode is getting a little long, so I'm going to plow through these a little bit more. But I want to hit these talking points up. Uh, in the last month or last several weeks since 700 came up, uh, Bleeding Cool has uh, been fighting a little bit with Slot on Twitter about uh, a sick kid. Bertoni, you got this one. Tell- well, do the setup. Slot Slot was one of the players in this story. Months ago, there was a kid that was uh, uh, he- years ago, wasn't it, or even longer. Oh, it was earlier this year. I don't have the exact date, but he wrote a letter, and it wasn't even into Spider-Man. It was about Captain America, and Marvel published it, and Steve Wacker actually said that, like, they sent him a bunch of stuff, and they contacted him and his family. It was really nice, but in his letter, he said, you know, as sure as, Do- as, sure as Spider-Man's going to beat Dr. Octopus, I'm going to beat cancer. Bleeding Cool, uh, I think it was, like, December 23rd or something, posted a picture of that on their website, a scan of yep. the letter, highlight at the bottom, and the headline was, um, and then afterwards they just put, um. 
uh, the guy who wrote, wrote Green Lantern for years, I think his name is Ron Mars, he right. blew his top, and he, like, said everyone blocked Bleeding Cool, and Dan Slott got involved with that, and, like, Dan Slott instructed all of his followers to block Bleeding Cool, and Bleeding Cool, like, later edited the story saying, wow, this is an unfortunate juxtaposition, but good on Marvel for publishing the boys' letter. Like, they tried to cover it up, but honestly, it you're joking about a kid dying from cancer, you're, you're, the the punchline to that joke is he said that as sure as Spider Man's going to beat Doctor Octopus. Well, Spider Man didn't beat Doctor Octopus, which means that the kid's going to die. That's not what Bleeding Cool said. But if you're posting that thing and saying, I guess, um, I guess you interpret it yeah, that way. Yeah, you're, you're joking about a kid dying. And eventually, Rich Johnson like posted the retraction, and Dan Slott was patting himself on the back. He's like, "Wow, maybe I convinced them to bring back Firefly next." Because as soon as I told everyone to block Bleeding Cool, Bleeding Cool posted the retraction. So right. it's related to 700, and it's uh, – What a mess. I mean, yeah, I don't know much mess. about Rich Johnson as, as a person. I, I mean, I guess he apologized. It's okay. But when I saw that, I was actually – I thought that that was very messed up, and a lot of creators got involved in that. Slot was on it about Twitter arguing with Johnston, and Ron Mars was, and it, it was ugly. Whoever wants this one can take it. Uh, the variants of Amazing Spider-Man 700 are going for big money, at least the Steve Ditko one, which is the one I want. <laughs> it's going for a thousand dollars yeah, or something yeah, online? I got this one, Brad. You, right. you got to hit uh, it. What, what do you think of this thousand bucks? Man, okay, this is a lot of dough, first of all. I mean, obviously. It's a, it's a two, uh, one to 200 ratio. Let's, let's explain that. For every 200 copies that are ordered, they get a Ditko variant. Okay. All right. So eight times two hundred is sixteen hundred dollars. Right. Uh, if you want to buy it from Marvel, uh, it's, it's <laughs> likely the rarest of the variant covers. Um, it's well, the Cusadas is Cusada the two hundred also. Yeah. Well, I, okay. I think it's a it's a one to hundred variant, and I think the sketch variant's like one to one fifty. But I think the I think it is the rarest of them all. The Cusada uh, covers have gone for up to two, up to two hundred dollars. Uh, the sketch cover and then the regular cover went up to a hundred dollars. Um, there's a. I just I couldn't justify that. I'd rather have a rarer issue of Amazing Spider-Man right. well, than that. And another copy of the Ditko cover is as of last night. This is when I checked it last night on eBay. Eight hundred and sixty dollars as of last night. Sold? Not sold. It is still ongoing. So I have to. I'll, I'll look it up before the end. Well, of the, the show. bids. The bids have got it up to that high. Yes. Huh? Good lord. Good lord. My gosh. How much would you guys pay for the Ditko issue? Seven ninety nine. If I could flip it for a thousand bucks on eBay, heck yeah. But yeah, that'd be fun. I'd like to own it, but not more than I, I guess. My limit's like twenty bucks. I'd probably probably twenty bucks. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 probably fair, and that's probably how much it's worth. But to me, this 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 is just a, the the good thing and the bad thing about the internet is that you overinflate. Um, values of issues. The thing is, now is not the time to buy this book. Five years in the future is the time to buy this variant, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you hold- when it's hot, it's not the time to buy yeah, it. It's the time to sell it. I agree, but if, well, I mean, just it's it's, just, it's astonishing that people are <laughs> are paying twelve hundred dollars for, especially if they've already got the issue for this exact same story, but it's for a cover. I mean. And it's, <laughs> I know. Uh, twelve hundred. You're paying twelve hundred dollars for a cover. It'd be different if it was an original piece of artwork. If if it was the original cover. If somehow a, a, a copy of Amazing Fantasy fifteen 
You know, it'd also be different if it was actually Steve Dietko. He drew it this year, right? Or last year. That that's a little bit different, too. right? And he's the one that changed, you know, from Amazing Fantasy to Amazing Spider-Man. He made all the he added all the dialogue boxes himself because that's what he would do. I mean, he's he's old school. He's not going to do this this digital nonsense that that uh, some of these other artists do these days. But um, I'm doing that as my old man. <laughs> Boys. <laughs> Yeah. We'll just let your JR. Yeah, I, I, I just let my JR out there right there. So, I mean, it's is it cool that somebody made twelve hundred dollars? I'm a capitalist, so absolutely. Um, you go, you go, you go, yeah. you go, dude. But I, you wouldn't catch me dead spending twelve hundred dollars for a, for a cover. A, for a car payment, down payment on a car, yeah, maybe. Zach Joyner yeah. was found dead with the cover for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see, uh, reviews from around the web, everyone give your thoughts on this, I'm going to give some websites what they gave, you heard our reviews earlier in the show, uh, Comic Book Resources gave Amazing Spider-Man 704 out of 5 stars, ComicBookMovie.com gave the issue 9.5 out of 10, SpiderFan.org, the very first Spider-Man site I went to when I got online, 3 out of 5, uh, our good friend over at SpiderManCollector.net hated it, gave it an F, hated it all, all up and down. IGN.com, who's been quoted in Marvel press releases, only gave it a C, a 7.5 out of 10. Ooh. Newsarama was all up on it, <laughs> gave it a 10 out of 10. I'll be on that day, day and night. I'll be on the street of Pippin if you want it. I'll be on it. All right. You'll be on it. Yeah. <laughs> iFanboy.com gave it four out of five of very good ratings. And and on the crawl space, I gave it an A. Don gave it a D minus. Is that right? Two out of five. Two, uh, two out of five. And uh, Eric gave it an F, yes. if I remember correctly. And our newest reviewer, Lockdown, Ryan Reed, gave it, I think, a C. He said it was like a average book, if I remember correctly, from his video review. He gave it a three out of five. Three out of five. There you go. I think. Uh, all right. Let's wrap this up by going around the horn. And this was actually Don's suggestion. So, Don, you can go first. Uh, overall, since Amazing is ending, let's give Dan Slott a grade for his run on Amazing Spider-Man. Don, what is your grade for Mr. Slott? I give it a very, very vibrant and uh, hot tonic C. I think that Slott was pretty good at his best and mediocre at his average i don't think he was ever the worst writer and he always had a lot of zeal to it but uh most of his run was either you know middling or less than great but he was always made he always made it interesting to read and it was a hell of a lot better than spider-man was the two years before he came on on the title so i'll give it a c not the best but nowhere near the worst my grade would be a b minus uh, jr what would your grade be uh i'd have to give it a c plus probably uh it, it definitely was not anywhere, you know, I mean, obviously it was clearly uh, above the whole brand new day mess, but uh, it was actually very disappointing because I thought because Slot set the bar for me at no, not only his Spider-Man Human Torch miniseries, but even, but also his Spider-Man story in She-Hulk number four, where you know Spider-Man finds decides to sue Jonah. I mean, that was a that was a wonderful little story. <laughs> um, so the bar was set pretty high, and I just was really disappointed that he, that he didn't get anywhere near that. Um, I think he had some good ideas and some good stories, but you know, uh, Spider, you know, the, the, his two big events were just terribly padded. And he had this inexplicable, and I've discussed it before, 
when he was when he was off, I mean, the the Betty Brant's uh, attack story is horrible, just Christ absolutely almighty. horrible. And 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 like I you know, and the whole Aunt May going off on Peter and and it just it, people don't. That's that's that. Nobody in my life, even my wife's crazy great aunts, were like that. <laughs> uh, and then, and then, like I discussed during the ends of the earth, where everybody was just acting bizarrely. You know, people don't act like that. You know, the United Nations would not act like that. Captain America would not act like that. Shield would not act like. I mean, it was it made no sense. And so that I that those are really a couple of glaring points. It, with it, it will show my age, but it reminds me of a song: "When you're hot, you're hot; when you're not, you're not." By Jerry Reed. Uh, he just yeah well yeah, but I I, I just would really almost it almost when it makes me know more about Dan Slott's personal life. To be honest, that uh, that he has people behave and talk in such ways. I mean, if does he really believe that there are people like that? But anyway, I mean, overall, I give it about a C plus. See. Chris, what's your overall slot grade? Well, first of all, this will be a grade in progress because I I do not in any way consider this to be the end of Dan Slott's run on Amazing Spider-Man. It's The next issue is just going to be the next issue of his run, and whatever the number or the title on the cover is, we're still in the middle of the same story. So, that said, I think I would give it about a minus, I think I just sort of lukewarmly, vaguely sort of don't like it most of the time, but sometimes there are really good stories here and there. Sometimes there are stories that are pretty good, um, but, you know, it seems to almost alternate, like the ends of the earth, you know, I agree with all of JR's points, then I thought the lizard story was pretty good, and I thought the alpha story, really, you know, I was enjoying it for the first two parts, but it ended badly, um, and then this story, or actually the Hobgoblin story was next, and I, I liked that, um, and this story, I I liked it up until the very, very end, so it, it just sort of goes back and forth like a pendulum, and I think his, his major areas for improvement are actually improving, like, we've been saying that he hits you over the head with dialogue, but in these last couple Doc Ock issues, like Bertoni was saying, there was some subtlety there, um, there was a really clever issue in part one of the Doc Ock story. So, you know, he can be great. He could be great. I, I don't, I'm not, not calling for his resume or, I mean, resignation, I should say, or anything like that. I, I want him to, to just keep getting better, and uh, I want to see where he goes from here. Okay. Uh, Zach, what's your grade? Man, my grade's going to be, I, I think it's a B-. minus. Yeah. He, he's a good ideas guy. And I think that's that's something that I think most of us can agree on. He's got some good ideas. It's his execution that has been lackluster. And he's had a couple of really bad issues. You mentioned that Betty Brandt uh, gets injured, um, which is, ironically enough, Ryan Stegman's kind of uh, trial or pilot run on the Spider universe. Uh, so I – because he drew that issue. Uh, I liked – you know, like the first part of Spider Island, but the rest of it was just kind of mediocre. Um, you know, I think part of my issues with Slot have been in his dialogue and something like we've in his characterization, the, the slot, the slot talk, slot talk, and stuff like that. But yeah. ideas, he's got some good ideas. I just think it's the execution that's got to improve. So, gotcha. uh, the ideas have been fun enough to warrant a B. Okay, for Tony. 
What is your slot overall I'm sorry, grade? I was doing an impression of someone who was on mute. <laughs> 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 you know, I, I'm I'm gonna echo what Chris said. It's like I feel like this is just. It would be like grading the death of Superman-like story, you know, before after Superman died, because I feel like this is just beginning. We still have, you know, Funeral for a Friend and Reign of the Superman, but with what we've had so far, Reign I'm going to say it's uh, probably about the same grade that I gave 700, a, a, a CB, you know, that, that there, there's a little space hidden between the C plus and the B minus, yeah. and I'd put it there. You know, there's been some good stuff and but i would say this is a huge markup over a brand new day because i've gone back and i've reread some of those issues for various you know research and other things and you see characters like michelle gonzalez and the way that peter was acting and talking at the time and even though this isn't spider-man the sum of us this is a lot closer to like what my idea of spider-man is by leaps and bounds than what we were getting you know before mm-hmm. the end of 2010 okay all right. Any final thoughts before we wrap this first episode of the month up? It's a long Chris one. Was right. Chris, Chris was, was right. Chris was right. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to um, a guy who had the last letter in the last page. His name was Kevin uh-huh. too. I read yeah. that letter, and this guy, he's like, he's like me. He's like Jr. And I, he's a big Spider-Man fan, so I hope he listens to the show. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if one day he became one of the panelists on here. He's He's got he, spider he, knowledge. He was very good. That was We didn't hit that up about the letters pages and Stanley writing. But uh, his letter was really incredible for a thir- what 13 or 14-year-old kid. Yeah. If, if you're listening to this, here's a shout-out to him. Crawlspacemail at gmail.com. Send me an email. I'd like to talk to you. It'd be interesting to get a 13, 14-year-old's perspective on Spider-Man. I think that'd be neat. Any other final thoughts, Zach? I want to give a shout out to an older ep- another episode in, in this on this very show. Somebody had com- uh, made a comment about uh, a line that Doctor Octopus made at the very end of last year of 2011 in the last issue about mind is the superior intellect. George Berryman hit that on the head by being somewhat pro- pro- prophetic about where the story was eventually going by mentioning that particular line, because now we're having Superior Spider-Man. I don't know if anybody remembers that or not, but uh, I was listening to old episodes, and that just jumped out at me, that Slot actually made that line. I remember Georgia complained that it was a line from Star Trek II, but... Oh, right, yeah. And, and, but by pointing that out, it actually highlighted, I think, something that Slot was kind of subtly putting in there. So I gotta give props to... Uh, to both Berryman and Slot for pointing that out. Now, now looking back at that particular uh, issue, very cool. So, and that's a wrap on this episode. Before we go, I want to give another shout out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another example of the great prices is on Morbius number three. And this one, Morbius is still on the run, yet his face is evidently everywhere. So beware, Morbius. The cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. <laughs>